Hey y'all, welcome back to Crime Critics and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shaylin. And, and we're, we're your hosts. We genuinely enjoy doing research for our cases and recording together every week, and we hope you guys love listening just as much. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs. Yeah, you can actually do the first shout-out, Shivani. I would love to. <laughs> so our first shout-out goes to my sister, Rindy Desai. Yay! <laughs> my sister's 14 years old, and she has a lot of friends at her school that also listen to our podcast, so I guess it's safe to say that the age range of our listeners are expanding. Awesome. And the second shout-out will go to my cousin, Miss Kwanzaa Covert. Woo! Go Kwanzaa! Absolutely. And the third shout-out, last but not least, is Miss Ree Richard. Woo! Go Ree! Now, we definitely enjoy all of you guys. We thank you so much for supporting us on our social media. Please continue to do that, and we will continuously show you love. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Um, So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our sponsor. Um, Our sponsor is Tia Edwards, and Tia is a certified and professional makeup artist located in Houston, Texas. Her business name is called Everything Brows and Beauty, and you can find her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at everythingbrows underscore beauty. Again, her Instagram handle is everything. I'm sorry, at everything brows underscore beauty. <laughs> um, are we ready to go ahead and wine and crime? I'm ready to wine and crime, girl. So Shannon and I are constantly drinking Stella Rosa. So this week we just decided to like change it up a little bit and we are drinking risotto wine. Mm, yummy. <laughs> Let's wine and crime. Let's wine and crime. Cheers. Cheers. So before we get into the story for today, uh, I'm going to verify the sources um, the sources I'll be using to tell this story is the stories of the unsolved in ABC News. So this is a story of the Fourth Worth Trio. Um, so basically, on the morning of December 23rd, 1974, so this is just two days before Christmas, Okay. 17-year-old um, Mary Rachel Trusilla, uh, formerly known as Rachel, Okay. Uh, 14-year-old Lisa Renee Wilson. She's also known uh, formerly as Renee. Okay. And nine-year-old Julie Ann Mosley um, basically set out to go Christmas shopping at the Seminary South Shopping Center in Fort Worth. Have you heard of that place? I was just going to ask you, does, is that – I don't really go to Fort Worth a lot, um, so I'm not sure, but does that – is that shopping center – does it still exist in Fort Worth? Um, it actually still does exist, but it's under a different name. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. Because this, mm-hmm. this was like, what, 30, 40 years ago? Oh, yeah. It was – Oh, oh, 44 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was a while ago. Like I said, we just keep going back, girl. We really do. <laughs> so just to give a little background on these girls and their relationship, uh, Rachel and Renee were actually really close friends, so they basically grew up together. Okay. Um. Uh, now, Julie is the little sister of Renee's boyfriend, which is Terry Mosley, so basically her sister-in-law. Okay. Um. So Renee and Terry actually grew up together as well. Um. So Renee's grandmother actually lived across the street from Terry and his family, so that's how uh, Renee and Terry got got to know each other um you know as kids and mm-hmm. they just grown over time you know bonded and just develop a relationship okay from there um so rachel um uh, was actually married um yeah she's 17 i was gonna say she's yeah. only 17 years old yeah she was 17 so um julie is actually her sister-in-law because she is married well uh renee is actually the sister-in-law of julie Oh, so yeah. Renee's boyfriend's sister yeah. is Julie, not yes. Rachel's. Yes. Okay, so Rachel's married. Yes. And then Renee is her best friend. Mm-hmm. And then Renee's boyfriend's sister is Julie. That's correct. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Rachel was actually married to a man in his 20s uh, who also had a kid from a previous marriage. Uh, and according to family and friends, they were actually really happy together. Really? Yeah. Good for them. Mm-hmm. 
So, according to ABC News, Terry made a statement to Dateline that the morning before the girls went shopping, he went over to Renee's grandmother's house, you know, just kind of talk, chit-chat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, while he went over to uh, Renee's grandmother's house, um, Julie and the other sibling, Janet, they actually stayed at home. So, they were at the house while he went over across the street to talk to um, Renee. Okay. Um, now, while they were visiting um, Renee, Terry ended up giving Renee a promise ring. Really? Yeah. So, kind of gives you an idea. Like, it seems like, and back in those times, romance was just so like. Yes, you know, it was so it was so prominent back then. It was, and it's 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 great. Um, I actually have a question though. Mm-hmm. So, just because I'm curious, I know you said Rachel's married, right? Mm-hmm. So, was she? And she's 17 years old. So, had she graduated high school already? Do we know that, or is she still in school? Or I believe she may may have been still in school i'm not sure sources didn't really um specify, specify. she was in school or not okay. um but i know that she was 17 so she was on she was not 18 yet um but we, we don't know if she was in school at the time okay that's a good question that's all right so question. terry did live live across the street from renee yeah or her just oh, her grandmother. grandmother yeah okay so but did renee live with her grandmother um i think she just always frequent you know her grandmother's house okay. right um so I don't she just she happened there. to be there at the time and yeah. he just kind of walked over so was his siblings like by him by, by themselves at the house i believe they were because um at the time i believe their mom was at work and honestly um when i was reading the sources they said they wasn't really out of the ordinary for the kids to be at home by themselves yeah and how old were they i know i know renee's um sister-in-law or i guess terry's sister mm-hmm. um she's nine yeah so, so julie was nine and the other sibling janet um, she was 11, but Jenny wasn't involved in the, the situation. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Julie was. Um, and I guess with them being 9 and 11, I think that's kind of old enough to stay home by yourself yeah. um, with precautions, obviously. But again, I don't know how it was back then. So Yeah. But and he was just going across the street, right? So yeah, like he was just traveling right across the street. So he okay. far, not at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, he actually, of course, uh, went over to the grandmother's house to speak to Renee. And again, she um, received a promise ring from Terry, which is, again, that's so sweet. I agree. You know? Definitely sweet. Definitely sweet. <laughs> um, so, of course, Renee was so excited about getting the promise ring. They said that they were actually planning on getting married in the future. So oh, he gave her that hence promise, the promise ring. Hence the promise ring. Have you ever gotten a promise ring before? I have. <laughs> you have? I have. I never knew that. I have. I I was, girl, I was like in fifth grade. What? <laughs> Shaylin was 10 years old and she was already promised to be with somebody. <laughs> I definitely was. I would never forget it. I was in the fifth grade and I received my first promise oh, ring. Oh, that's so sweet. I actually <laughs> never received a promise ring before. Really? Yeah, no, I just went straight to an engagement ring. Girl, I never had a promise ring. <laughs> Girl, well, you definitely took a step further than I did, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, she was so excited to get that promise ring. And of course, anybody would, you know, at yeah. that age, you're 14, you know, that those things make any girl happy. I agree. Um, so, while they were talking, um, Renee actually told Terry that she needed to go pick up a pair of jeans from the store that she had on Lilway. So, basically, she was planning on going to the store, going to the mall at that time, and he had um, known about it. And um, he was supposed to go with her, actually, but he ended up kind of canceling at the last minute mm-hmm. because he was going to visit a friend who was in the hospital. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, um he was originally going to go with Renee, mm-hmm. but again, he ended up saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to go and visit my friend in the hospital because I believe that friend was having an operation that day and he just wanted to hang out. Okay. Yeah. And be a good support. Right. Supportive friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this is when Julie 
um, Terry's little sister saw the opportunity to tag along with Renee and Rachel. Um, so again, y'all mind you, Julie's only nine. Right. But she's probably like, I want to come. Right. <laughs> and again, she is the um, little sister of Terry, which is um, the boyfriend of Renee. Renee. So how did Rachel come in the picture? Like, was she already at Renee's house or was she just kind of planning on going with her and Terry? But then, of course, Terry backed out. Yeah, so it was already planned for Rachel and Renee to go. And I think um, Terry, Terry was, was like, like tag along. Yeah, it was like okay. a tag along for Terry to do. and um, But he backed out at the last minute. So it was still a set in stone for Rachel and uh, Renee to go. Okay. Um, and Janet didn't want to go? <laughs> I guess not. Um, I guess not. She did not want to go. But Julie definitely did. Julie actually begged her mom to go. Let her go? Yeah, to go Christmas shopping. Oh. And the reason why I said this is this is really uh, stands out to me about her being only nine years old. Mind you, let's go back. Um, Renee is 14 mm-hmm. and Rachel is 17. That's yeah. already a pretty good age range good age or right age there. difference. Yeah. I was going to mention that in the beginning because when you were kind of explaining the ages of all the girls, mm-hmm. I was going to say for them to be really good friends, like they're three years apart. But I do have a best friend who's two years older than me and I have another best friend who's two years younger than me. So I guess it's not that uncommon. Yeah, it's really not because I, growing up, of course, in high school, we had older friends. Right. So it's not out of the ordinary, but I just think that these girls' A ranges is, is de- definitely struck me odd. Yeah, because yeah. you have a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and then you have a nine-year-old. nine-year-old. Yeah. So Terry originally stated on um, Dateline that Renee and Rachel kind of didn't want Julie to go at first because I mean like she's honestly young. so she's young you yeah know, it's nothing out of the ordinary there but they actually let her tag along they say hey you know you can come but you have to get permission from your mom first so I like right. how they did that yeah you know always be cautious um so Julie actually called her mom um so backing up like basically answering your question before mm-hmm. um Julie's mom was not at the home she was okay. at work so Julie actually had to call her mom to get permission to go to um, the, mall the mall with the with, girls. Yeah. Okay. So I believe that Julie's mom did not originally want her to go. Of course, like parents, you're nine. Yeah. You know, that's nothing out of the ordinary there. But um, Julie was begging her mom, like, girl, on that <laughs> phone, begging her mom. It was like, I really want to go shopping. And if I stay home, I'm not going to have anybody to play with. I'm like... <laughs> You have an eleven-year-old sister, <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm sure siblings. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. My sibling is 13 years younger than me, um, which I mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> so her and I really never got a chance to kind of engage and play like that. But I feel like even when you're close in age range, because you see your sibling every day, you get tired of playing with them. Yeah, I agree. And I remember <laughs> being nine years old, and at the time I was the only child, and I, everyone that I hung around, or I really wouldn't say hung around, but like my parents friends Mm -hmm. they all had children but they were all older than me and I remember wanting to go with them to the movies with them and like go to Six Flags with them and I'm pretty sure they hated me they were probably like (laughs) Shivani you are like 10 years younger than us you're gonna stay home you're not coming anywhere with us right actually there was it was like back in the day when House of Wax came out Mm -hmm. and they would not let me go see House of Wax with them they were like you're gonna get scared you're not coming you're gonna have nightmares and I had to stay home with the parents while they were having a dinner party (laughs) while all of them went out to go watch House of Wax. Girl. I guess, it, honestly, <laughs> when you say it like that, I, I have to think back, because I actually hung out with my cousin who was, like, four years older than me. Yeah. So, I don't know. Why didn't even think about that? It's definitely something that is not out of the ordinary, because, again, I was hanging out with my cousin mm-hmm. um, when we're everywhere. Right. Everywhere. So, I guess it's really not. No, it's just like a tag along with you, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're bored at home. They have nothing better to do, so they want 
time to go by and the only yeah. way they could do that is coming with you and then it's Christmas like, yeah and it's yeah, Christmas like, get in the Christmas spirit you know you definitely want to go shopping so yeah that's what happened so um, Julie's mom ended up you know letting her go but she told Julie that she would need to be back home by 6pm now the curfew for Julie to be back home at 6pm wasn't an issue because Renee and Rachel had a party to go to that evening so the party uh, was going to be uh, around 4pm so they wanted to get home um, before 4pm to get ready and stuff like that so Julie being back before six or at by six wasn't really an issue for the girls. So yeah, that was yeah, that would have worked regardless. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometime before noon, um, the three girls um, got into Rachel's nineteen seventy four Oldsmobile, okay. and um, they set out to go to the mall. Um, but they first made a stop to the Army Navy store to retrieve those jeans that Renee had talked to Terry about. So okay. remember, um, I was saying earlier she wanted to go pick up the pair of jeans that she had on Lilway. Mm-hmm. It was actually at the Army Navy store. Okay. Um, so, so she picked that up first. first and then went to the mall yeah. to finish Christmas shopping. Okay. Yes, that's correct. So they stopped there first to pick up the jeans. And after that, that's when they drove to the Seminary um, South Shopping Center. And uh, once the girls arrived at the mall... Rachel actually parked her car at the upper level near the Sears store. Okay. Real quick question again. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of those. Um, <laughs> do you know what the mall is called today? So the name of the mall today is called the Lagrand Plaza. That's the name of it today. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, um, so they parked in the upper level near the Sears store and that's when they um, walked into the mall. Okay. Now there were witnesses that did state that they saw the girls out and about in the mall shopping. So we know that they actually made it in there. And we know that they were actually shopping. So um, there were other witnesses that stated that the girls left the mall, went back to the car to drop off some items. But the mystery is that they never made it back in the mall and they disappeared from there. So they were shopping in the mall, got what they needed, went back to the car to drop off their bags mm-hmm. and then or maybe possibly even leave to go home. Mm-hmm. But did the bags make it to the car? So, we'll get to that. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. I love that you're, like, ready. <laughs> Always jump in the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, again, we do know that multiple witnesses stated that they saw the girls shopping. Then they saw the girls leave the mall to go back into the parking garage to um, drop off some items. But my thing with that is, like... That's very specific. How would you know that they actually did that? Yeah, like, I mean, you could po- probably see the girls walking back to the car and just assume that they're leaving. Right. That's what I was wondering. I was like, oh, that's, what I was, that's why I asked you, did the bags make it there? Because how do you know that they were going to go back to the mall? Exactly. Because they could have just been leaving to go home. Exactly. That's another thing that, like, struck out. It stuck out to me by far. Like, okay. how would you know that? Yeah. So was it like a witness who told them that? Or how did they know that that's what happened? Yeah, that was, they said that multiple witnesses actually told the police that they saw the girls go outside to drop off gifts in the car. That's odd, right? Yeah, that's super odd. Because you don't know what, what they're going to do afterwards. Exactly. Like <laughs> I said, like you, if I was seeing somebody going outside, leaving the mom, I'm assuming they're going home. Yeah. I wouldn't think that they're going to come back inside and shop again. I mean... Maybe their arms were getting tired, so they were like, let's drop off these bags and we can continue shopping. But yeah, And I think that's what happened. Okay. The girls actually um, did go to the car to drop off some things, um, but that's where we feel like foul play came into place because the girls, again, they never went back to the mall and they were never seen again after that. So, just to verify, the bags were found in the car? Yeah. So, one... Um, bag was actually found it actually was a gift it wasn't a bag it was actually a gift it was in the back seat okay 
it was on the floorboard of the car. It was sitting there. So that was the only thing that they were able to find in the car. So that's why I feel like they verified that the girls did actually go back to the car because they found that gift in the back seat. Right. But did these witnesses that saw them, did they see them with multiple bags? Because if that's the case, then shouldn't those bags be in the car as well? Yeah. It never specified if the girls actually have multiple bags. Or just that one gift. Or that one gift. Okay. But again, we do know that investigators and family members that went back to search for the girls at the mall, they found a gift in the back seat on the floorboard. But it could have been like it could have been there before they even got to the mall. You could have been. I mean? Very good observation, Shivani. Could have been. <laughs> Like, it's not necessary that they could have gotten that gift from that mall. Right. It could have just been in the car already that she must have purchased a while ago or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. So just to reiterate, it was never confirmed that the girls um, were planning on going, dropping the gifts off in the car and coming back into the mall. Okay. So after a while, of course, of not hearing from the girls and being that time passed, because like I said earlier, the Rachel and uh, Renee were supposed to go to a Christmas party. Right. Um, so they never made it back home and time was, you know, coming for them to get ready for that party. But that's when, of course, the family started getting worried. Um, so they went up to the mall to search for the girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. So upon the families arriving at the mall, they did end up locating Rachel's car, which is still parked in the upper level near the Sears Mall, where it was originally parked at. Okay, so they found the vehicle, but not the girls. Yeah, so the vehicle was still there, um, and they did kind of search the vehicle around the vehicle. They didn't find any signs of foul play or any signs of a struggle, mm-hmm. but what they did find in the back seat was a gift on the floorboard. Which you were just talking about earlier. Yes. Okay. Um... But we're not sure, like you were saying, we're not sure if they were, um, if they got that gift from the mall or if it was already in there. Right. Sources believe that um, they purchased it from the mall. Purchased it from the mall, and the girls went back. So I'm saying the um, people believe that the girls went back to drop that particular gift off, and then they were going to go back back. inside. But I'm like, why just one gift? Yeah, I mean, I understand if it was something heavy, and they're like, let's just drop it off so we can, you know, not have to hold on to it. You're right. Um, But if it was like a small box, I don't understand why. Do you know if that gift box held something valuable in it? Because maybe that's why they didn't want to have to carry around something like expensive. Yeah, could have been. Could have okay. been. Like, well, I don't know what was in um, the, the box, box itself or how big it was. Like, the sources never really, okay. um, you know, verified that. But we do know that it was a gift box in the back seat of the floorboard of the car. And that was the only thing that they were able to find. Okay. Yeah. So after the families were able to see the gift in the car and, you know, the girls know where to be found, that's when they went back into the mall to see if they can, you know, search for them there, of course. Right. Um, so Judy Wilson, who was the mother of Renee and her brother Rusty, they ended up going to like each and every store in the mall and uh-huh. was paging them on the intercom. Really? Like, all three of the girls to see if they can uh, locate, locate them. them. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, while they were doing that, Judy um, actually started calling the police and calling hospitals. She also, uh, you know, I guess we're calling other family members and friends to come and help out, too. Um, and then that's when they all just started searching the store in general. Like, they just started, you know, searching all the, the nicks and corners mm-hmm. and everything to see if they can find them. Yeah. Um, not to mention, um, other family members, they went off to a nearby building. So it was still in the vicinity of the mall, mm-hmm. but it was another building. Um, they actually went on the rooftop of this building. Was it an abandoned building? No, 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 it wasn't. 
Okay. So they went on the rooftop of this particular building. Um, and this individual never really stated who it was, but it was a family member of one of the girls. Okay. Um, they went on this building to kind of scope out the area to kind of look at the car to see if anybody was going to come back to the car. So what they did was the plan was to go up to the rooftop to get a better vision. I'm assuming this building was tall. So they yeah. wanted to kind of get it like an aerial view right. of the mall. Okay. That makes exactly. sense. Um, and had a shotgun with them too. Really? Yeah. This is Texas, y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> this particular family member was out on the roof with a shotgun and just stayed there all night watching Rachel's car. I all think night. it's because they thought that they were eventually going to get back to the car to right. like, leave. Or like the abductor would have brought them back to their car. Exactly. Wow, that's dedication. That is you, dedication. That's actually really smart. It is because, I mean... But then again, I'm sure the abductor would have known that police came to the scene that they and that they knew that they were mm-hmm. missing. So they're not going to come back to the right the crime scene. No. But it's still like good dedication to think like it's, it could be a possibility. I mean, it's a low chance, but yeah. it's still a possibility that they could come back to the vehicle. Maybe they left something or right. thought they left something or whatever. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So they were staying there all night, and I would too. Honestly, I would be all. I'll be there all night too. <laughs> I would be all over the place. I wouldn't know where to go because I would kind of want to like tear down Fort Worth at this point well, and like look yeah. through every place that I could think of to look for them. Yeah. But I mean, where do you start? Fort Worth is such a big city, right? Yeah. And, uh, again, these family members were really dedicated to finding these girls, and I definitely applaud them. So, unfortunately, after them staying, uh, um, you know, at the mall all night, they were not able to locate the girls. Like, nobody came back to the car. Um, nobody suspicious. Nobody, just nobody was there. That's so crazy to me because, I mean, like like we were saying, you know, it's Christmas. Um I'm assuming the mall was busy at the time because it's, what, two days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing their last-minute Christmas shopping. You said that they were kind of parked closer to where the stores were in the garage mm-hmm. in the on the upper level. So, uh, to me, it's like there should be a lot of traffic going around that area. Yeah. So, if, with that traffic being there, no one noticed a single thing that was odd. There was a lot of witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of witnesses. That's what's crazy because I think like with all these witnesses, they should maybe, you know, they would remember how many bags they were each holding mm-hmm. because I think that's a big thing. If we can figure out if they even made it to the car, that's a step. Exactly. And if they were holding all these bags and they're not, you know, in the car, then it's, I don't think that they would have made it back to the car. Right. I like where you're going with that. Yeah. I do. <laughs> so, of course... Um, no signs of the girls so now they have to get a police report filed the girls are missing and they're young so Mm -hmm. the fort worth police department of missing persons borough actually got involved so so wait (laughs) they got involved the next day they didn't get involved like right at that moment when the family knew the girls were missing it seems like it was like the next day because like i said they was the family was there all night searching i don't think that they yeah they i would have immediately called the police like that's the first thing judy did call the police she did she called the local police and the hospitals like i stated but from what the sources i've read i feel like that um the police didn't really get involved until like later later so they didn't start searching for the girls right then and there right when they knew right when they were called right when they knew that the girls were missing they started searching for them the next day that is if that's true that is insane yeah that's 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 ridiculous yeah it's three girls their vehicles at the mall they're not at the their vehicles at the the garage of the mall but Mm -hmm. they're not themselves actually at the mall they're missing you would think that they would start searching for them immediately and they're minors yeah, they're all three minors. 
that that's crazy yes it is so once the police department got involved the missing persons borough they actually came up with a theory this police department and the theory was that the girls actually ran away you know what i was gonna actually ask you or i was gonna make a comment not ask you i was gonna make a comment and that was going to be that more than likely a lot of the times police don't get involved Mm -hmm. until 24 to 48 hours because they always assume that the child is a runaway rather than missing but at this point this is not a child this is three three girls and their vehicle is still at the mall but they're not so would they run away on foot like that makes no sense. Well, how are how are they going to run away? There's no motive for them to just dump and disappear like that. Yeah, that that's insane. I just I keep saying that's insane, but that really is insane. It, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. There's no other way to describe it, and I'm going to get into why the police department initially stated that this is a runaway. Okay, real quick, um, I'm not sure what the actual statistics are, but I do know that when it comes to a missing persons report or missing report uh, missing persons case rather the most crucial time to find that missing person is within 24 hours yes and after 24 hours your chance of finding that missing person is going Very to decrease slim. by hour exactly. so for the the fact that they waited till the next day to even start looking you're already down 24 hours at that point or mm-hmm. give or take 24 give or take i mean you you could have had more chances of finding the girls exactly. if you would have started looking right then and there at that time rather than waiting a whole night right i'm just baffled yeah. okay i see what you're going but like i said i don't know if the police did get involved the very next day but from what the sources that operate they made it seem like that the police didn't get involved until after like you know after the fact so uh that's crazy so the reason why i'm mentioning this theory is because a day like this is literally 24 hours that it has gone by mm-hmm. Rachel's husband Thomas received a letter in the mail on the morning of December 24th the very next day Christmas Eve yes that was addressed to him from Rachel stating that the girls had gone to Houston for a week and also he the letter provided details of where the car was located in the mall in the mall and it was an accurate description of where the car was located yeah what this sounds like a lifetime movie there was a letter sent to rachel's husband thomas the very next day that was addressed to him from rachel that stated that the girls had gone to houston for the week and here's the details of where the car is located do you know if this was like a handwritten letter? Did it match Rachel's handwriting? Yeah, see, like- girl, you're really <laughs> you're going with it, girl. I love it. So this was a handwritten note. Um, and I will let you know what that note read, Shavani. Would okay. you like to know? I would love to know. So the note read, I know I'm going to catch it, but we just had to get away. We're going to Houston. See you in about a week. The car is in Sears upper lot. Love, Rachel. Um, Catch what? I know I'm going to catch it. Catch what? I don't know what that means at all. That's very odd. (laughs) I don't know what she meant by I'm going to catch it. Like, are you going to, like, catch? Are you going to get in trouble? Yeah. What what is that? No, I don't even think it's that. I think she was talking about something specific that only maybe Thomas knew. Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know, because that's that's very, like, it seems like an inside kind of conversation. Could be. 
And she said, we're going to get away. Like, yeah. okay, maybe you and Renee, because, you know, you two are really good friends and you guys could have made plans to go hang out and do something in Houston or whatever. But not with Julie. But not with Julie. Yeah. What are you, you going to do with a nine-year-old? Girl, it's crazy. I'm telling you, Lifetime movie. <laughs> it definitely does sound like a Lifetime plot. So this note, again, it was written off a sheet of paper. It was a handwritten note. Um, now, this note was actually much wider than the envelope that it came in. So, they kind of struck them as odd, too. Yeah. Um, now, also, the handwriting. And please note that the handwriting on this letter was very childish-like. So, it didn't really look like it would be handwriting from Rachel. So, it probably wasn't sent by Rachel. Again, I'm just kind of st- stating my theories <laughs> already. I'm sorry. I know we usually wait till the end. but I think you're just so excited. I am very excited. <laughs> um, but I think that it was, like, purpose- purposefully manipulated, yeah. like the handwriting was. Definitely. Just Definitely. to make it not match their actual handwriting Definitely. slash not make it match Rachel's either mm-hmm. because they wanted them to know that it was from Rachel but not have any proof right. that it could be from her because it really wasn't from her. Exactly. And that's what, that's exactly what they were speculating that of course they didn't think that it was from Rachel. Um, but they did um, initially state that um, it could have been forced written by Rachel but she was forced to write it. Right. But with the handwriting, how they were describing the handwriting and how they were saying it was very childish like, I don't think that was Rachel's handwriting. I don't either. I think that the killer himself or herself or whatever yeah. wrote it and mm-hmm. purposely manipulated the writing just so that it wouldn't, you know. Right go back to actually being identified as Rachel's handwriting. Exactly. Now, in regards to the stamp on the envelope, uh, which had also been canceled that morning, so um, it really was hard to determine what city that it came from. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, was why didn't the police just kind of backtrack where it came from? Yeah. It, um, of course, in those type of situations, if it was the, perp- the perpetrator that actually wrote the note, of course, you would think that they wouldn't have any type of you know trace right like you just kind of dropped it off at like a like a mailbox or something or not a mailbox but like a post office or something Mm -hmm. so the only thing that they were able to get from this envelope was a service number and that service number read 76083 and do they were they able to trace that service number back yes so in regards to the service number, so it was really strange because the numbers were kind of off. So they believe that the three was printed backwards, um, which some believe that the last two letters like were like I guess hand loaded in a stamp. Okay. Um, now, if this is actually the case, that would have meant that the uh, letter was stamped and came from Eliasville or Throckmorton, Texas. And how far is that from Fort Worth? Uh, it's not that far. Not far at all. You can look it up if you want to look it up. Up on Google. <laughs> I was yeah, just curious. Yeah, I was just curious because I haven't heard of those cities. So. Me neither. I really don't even like when I read this story. I was like, "What is Elias Field in Throckmorton?" Yeah. Well, what if it wasn't? What if it didn't read backwards and it was actually like printed correctly? Yeah. So it, that was a lot of uh, speculation and a lot of confusion about those particular numbers on that envelope because. Mm-hmm. There was also an uh, indication that the last two numbers could have actually read 88, like 88. Yeah, but the printing was a little off, so yeah. it didn't like, okay, that makes sense. And if that was the case, that would have meant that the um, the stamp came from Weatherford, Texas. Oh, and I know where Weatherford is. Yeah. And that's kind of close to Fort Worth, too. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you did, if you know the answer to this, but would you say that Weatherford is closer to, um, to Fort Worth, or were the other two cities that you just named, were they closer? I... 
and this is just probably my my guess. I think Weatherford might be a little closer to Fort Worth. So, do, just your opinion: Do you think that it must have came from Weatherford, or do you think it must have came from the other cities that it could have possibly been? I have no idea because I honestly I'm ignorant to service numbers, so yeah, me too. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't even know how they even determine all that. Like I was like, what in the world? Yeah, no. <laughs> so I feel that you. was really confusing to me. But yeah, I wouldn't know. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Well, it came from a nearby city, guys. That's kind of what we know so far. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the maps right now. Wow. So Throckmorton, Texas is actually two hours and 11 minutes from Fort Worth. Yeah, no. I definitely think that the letter was sent from Weatherford because it's closer to Fort Worth. And I think that this crime must have been committed by somebody who um, lives near Fort Worth. Yeah, definitely. Especially for that letter to be delivered that quick. Yeah, the next day, the, the very next very day. The next day. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm looking at Eliasville. That's actually an hour and 53 minutes from Fort Worth. Okay, and what about Weatherford? I know it's definitely not that long. Like, I'm pretty sure it's less than an hour. Um, I don't think it's that long at all. But. So we were actually correct. Okay. Weatherford is actually 32 minutes from yeah, Fort Worth. Yeah, that's so, what I thought. Yeah, we, we were correct. Uh, Weatherford is definitely closer to Fort Worth than those other two cities. So it would definitely make more sense if that letter was down from Weatherford. You know what, this, another thing that's a little weird to me, uh, again, I'm not familiar with post offices or how long you know, things <laughs> take to get delivered or anything like that. Um, but I don't think, if we were to mail out a letter, would it get to you the very next day? Yeah, especially in those times. Though, yeah, too. back in 1970s, like, did it get delivered to you the very next day? Girl, I can barely get a package from Dallas. Yeah, <laughs> in, in so less like, than 24 hours, let alone a whole, you know, whole day. So yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that you can just mail a letter. Let's, they got abducted or you know whatever happened to them on the 23rd, mm-hmm. right? And that was what at night, like around the evening time. Yeah. So you know, post offices typically close at five, five thirty, mm-hmm. um, and the letter was delivered the very next morning to her husband. That's odd. That was. I, I don't think not that only is that odd. It was addressed to her husband. Yeah. I, 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 you know what I think, Shaylin? I don't think that it, a mail carrier delivered this letter. I think. No, I, I think that the perpetrator deli- like hand delivered this letter. I really think so too. Unless Rachel's husband is involved in some kind of way mm, and I like where you're going with that, man. <laughs> I love it. Cuz that's the only two things. There's no way that a male man dropped off this letter. Not that no. no Not I at all. See that. Yeah, it's either the perpetrator like hand dropped off the letter to the mailbox or mm-hmm. Rachel's husband is, has something to do with it in some kind of way because that makes no sense to me. Exactly. And we're going to get into the more juicier tea. I like this case. I've never, I can't believe Diamond I've never Deeper. heard of it. So again, we know that the family, Rachel's family in general, they did not suspect that it was written by Rachel. Okay. Um, and another reason why they knew that it couldn't have been written by her was because again, it was addressed to her husband but she normally called her husband tommy not thomas yeah so that was a clue that stuck out to them like by far because again she always referred to her husband as tommy not thomas right but the letter was addressed to thomas Thomas. yeah that's Mm -hmm. weird so if rachel's husband is not involved in this or has nothing to do with this i think that this person I, i don't know if they have something to do with rachel like if they knew rachel 
obviously not though because then they would have known how to address the letter right Mm -hmm. but like i guess that they must have gotten information from rachel like tell me about your life what yeah if that was the case right how old are you what what do you do are you in school are you married like what's your husband's name i'm sure he must have gotten that information from her in order to have done all of this and why her why Why didn't you choose renee i mean julie's young obviously you're not gonna i mean but you know what you're not gonna get much out of julie right but wait you know what they could have even done it with Julie, if you think about it, because yeah. they could have written the parents a letter. True. And maybe even, like, you know how when you do child abductions... Like a ransom type Like a ransom, thing. though. Yeah. yeah, you could have done that with Julie, too. So either of the girls, you could have done it with either of the girls. Why Rachel? Yeah, I, I like that. You could have. They could have definitely had a better chance at getting whatever they wanted with going after Julie and addressing the, you know, the letter to Julie with her family and getting ransom. Yeah, and because she's super young... I feel like that would have been a better... I mean, again, I don't know what the motive is here. I don't yeah. know what he's trying to get out of all this. But mm-hmm. if you were going to do all this, and if you wanted attention or money or whatever the case is, yeah. I feel like either way, whether, you're in, you know, whether your intention was to get money or whether your intention was to get you know attention or whatever it is, I think the best option would have been to choose Julie. Why, Rachel? That's, that's like bothering me. Exactly. <laughs> so, of course... Um, they actually ran tests on this handwriting to make sure that um, it did or did not match um, Rachel's Rachel. handwriting. And it actually came back that it was inconclusive of her writing. So they did confirm that it was not written by Rachel. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. Um, now, another um, clue that they came up with was, uh, you know, the L on Rachel's name. It was actually originally appeared to be a lowercase e, mm-hmm. which led to believe that it was like a spelling error. And who in their right mind would spell their name wrong? Right, like, you write your name almost every day. How would you ever misspell your name? Exactly. That's definitely odd. Exactly. So, unfortunately, the letter was, like, the only piece of evidence that investigated had on this case. So, that's the only, and besides the gift, but I guess the gift really wouldn't serve as evidence, per se. But the letter definitely, of course, serves as evidence, and that's the only piece of evidence they have today. So... That was a one-time letter. Never again no. did he ever contact Thomas or any of the other family members. No. See? Why? Why him? Strange. Very, Very strange. strange. Very strange. Or maybe this perpetrator has something to do with Thomas or Tommy, whatever you yeah. want to call him. Very, very good observation there, too. Um, so, I guess they did do some more tests on the letters to try to see if they can lift fingerprints and stuff, but there was no match to anybody um, in police database or even for the girls. So but they didn't match what, anybody. But there was a fingerprint. They just couldn't match it. Is that correct? I believe they were saying that there was some fingerprints, but they did not match anybody in the police database, nor did they match the girls. So, yes, they did confirm that um, in this particular instance that they did find a um, fingerprint or some fingerprints on that letter. Oh, my gosh. With it being 2022, we should be able to match a fingerprint by now. Absolutely. I agree. But honestly... Do you think that they will be able to still live fingerprints off the letter now? I don't know. Probably not because it's been so long. Yeah. Um, unless they saved like the original fingerprint like in a database or something. But I'm sure they did. Yeah. I'm sure they did Especially because they did say that they put it through the database. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if they were to run it now, I'm sure they might be able to maybe... Um, Again, we don't work in the police department, so we don't know how yeah. this stuff works. Because <laughs> if it was that simple, I'm sure they must have done it already. But, I mean, right. who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, Shivani, are you ready to get into some other theories, clues, and witness information? I am. Let's get into it. Okay. So, one of the shocking um, persons of interest, of many persons of interest in this case, is actually Rachel's sister, Deborah. 
Rachel's sister, Deborah. Rachel's sister. Not her husband, Tommy, a.k.a. Thomas, but her sister, Deborah. Her sister, Deborah. Is she older than her? Yes, so Deborah is actually older, and um, Deborah actually was living with Rachel and Tommy at the time, and girl, one thing about the situation, you would just would not guess, you would not guess how crazy this situation is with all three of them. I kind of have an idea, so let me try you. Try me, girl. Okay. Something just kind of tells me, as you know, crazy as the situation would be, but did don't tell me that Deborah and Tommy got engaged or married or whatever after Rachel went missing. Girl, you hit the nail almost right on the coffin, girl. So Deborah was actually previously engaged to Tommy before he no way. Rachel. Yes. Not after, but before. Before. So he was previously engaged. Engaged. To her older sister, Deborah. Yes. And then something happened with that, with that engagement. Yes. And then he later married Deborah's sister, Rachel, who is now missing. Yes, ma'am. Oh, this entire case definitely is revolving Rachel. My theory. Yeah. And. Tell me this is not a Lifetime movie. This is definitely like a Lifetime movie plot. For sure. Like, when I read that Shabbat, I was like. Am I reading the right case? Like, did I um, accidentally get caught up in another case? Yeah. I'm like, there's no way. That's crazy. Yeah. They were engaged before Tommy and Rachel got married. And, um, well, according to families and sources, you know, Deborah and Tommy's relationship wasn't that serious. Like, they were engaged, but though. But I was going to say, what does that mean? Like, you were engaged. Like, you, that's just really, You don't just really engage. Yeah, you don't just <laughs> en- get engaged with somebody just for the hell of it. Like. No. You have to be serious if you're getting engaged to somebody. Right. But they said that it wasn't really that serious. I guess, I guess not as serious as Rachel and Tommy's relationship. But they ended up calling it quits before they actually got married. Um, but they still stayed under the same roof. So Deborah, Rachel, and Tommy were still under the same roof. That is so odd. Like, imagine you... I mean, I don't have an older sister, mm-hmm. but I know you do. Yeah. So imagine you, like... I <laughs> know it's even cringy to think about. Like, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, your sister is married to somebody, and then all of... Or not married, but engaged to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, now you're married to him, and all three of y'all are living together. Like, tell me that's not awkward. That is- hella awkward to say the least like i would not even dare to think that thought that i would just stay with my sister and her husband who i was previously engaged to yeah like i wouldn't want to do that gonna happen. exactly <laughs> and on top of that like why would rachel be okay with that like she is now engaged sorry married to her sister's ex-fiance yeah why would you want your sister living with you so going a little bit forward why was she ruled out or was she ever ruled out I don't think she was ever quite ruled out, um, but it is strongly believed by the families that Deborah knows much more information about their disappearance than she initially let on. I and bet. And possibly Tommy. I, I I called it from the beginning. You There's did. just no... Why did he get you that letter out of all people? Yeah, you did call it. So Deborah was actually brought in for questioning. She had several interviews with the police. Um, she even took a polygraph test, but I really couldn't find anywhere um, that stated if she failed or... Um, past a polygraph or whatever um i did not see that anywhere but i know um that she did take a polygraph test. we just don't know the results of it okay yeah um so basically deborah remains her innocence she basically still maintains that she knows nothing about their disappearance of course of course yeah, yeah that's typical 
I like now I'm so curious. I want to like go back and see where she like what her alibi was mm-hmm. during the time of the abduction or disappearance. I guess I should say. Yeah. And that's so weird. Yeah, and it makes you think like if that whole situation about you know Deborah and Tommy, it makes you definitely think that they could have possibly had a motive to get rid of Rachel. Yeah, that makes complete sense. But what gets to me is that why Julie and why Renee? Exactly. If you had a motive to only get rid of Rachel, what did Renee and Julie have to do with it? Yeah, they were just bystanders. Like they were just, they had nothing to do with that situation at all. They just happened to be with her at that time. Wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But do you think that Tommy and Dara may have something to do with that? I I really want to know if they ever got together afterwards. I really do. Because that would... Yeah, and the police should have paid attention to that. Because if Mm -hmm. they did, then that's more of a motive to look into. It definitely is. I'm actually going to research that. I'm actually going to look to see if there was any um, reports if um, Deborah and Tommy may have gotten back engaged or gotten married after that i didn't see anything i'm sure that would have been a significant information right for sources to put in but i didn't see anything like that so i guess not but you never know yeah you never know guys there might be a part two of this episode with just some you know information (laughs) um afterwards because now i'm very interested as well so i'll definitely be googling a lot of this tonight after we're done recording (laughs) girl i definitely would too because i am still very intrigued by this case yeah this is uh definitely going to be endless amount of research (laughs) i agree i just i think it's just the fact that this killer hasn't been caught yet and i really do think that it has something to do with rachel because she's kind of been the center of attention Mm -hmm. when it comes to this i do think that it has has i called it from the beginning again like it has something to do with rachel like it really does you definitely did so at this point, the family began, you know, getting together, putting out flyers in the local area. They also um, was contacting local news to spread the word um, about the disappearances, of course. Um, and then one day after they were, you know, doing that, a store clerk had come forward um, saying that a woman had approached her uh, to say that she witnessed Rachel, Renee and Julie being forced into a yellow pickup truck that was parked by the Buddy's grocery store at the mall on the day that the girls vanished. So someone approached this store clerk and told this store clerk about how she witnessed someone get shoved into a yellow pickup truck. So this is hearsay. Yeah. And not only did she say someone, she actually named the girls. Like she stated to the store clerk that she saw Rachel, Renee, and Julie being forced in a pickup truck. And this was like years later that she's now telling someone about this well i don't know if this particular eyewitness statement was years later but um one thing in particular about this information was actually very similar to another eyewitness statement and this was actually in 1981 so seven years later like yeah seven years later Mm -hmm. um so this particular uh witness stated that um he had seen an unidentified male force a girl or girls into a van in the parking lot of the mall and when this witness approached this man he was told by him that it was a family dispute and he just needed to stay out of it. But why come forward seven years later? How do you know? How do you remember that this happened on this day and you're barely coming out telling us that you witnessed this seven years later? Exactly. I just don't find it credible. I don't think that either of those witness statements are credible. Even the mm-hmm. you know the store clerk lady. Again, she didn't say the store clerk 
lady didn't say that she herself saw this. She said that she was told by someone right. that they witnessed it. So I'm exactly. not sure if that's credible on its own, but I don't think that this is credible either. Because again, why would you wait eight years or seven years? I'm glad you said that because it, they did not um, name like the woman, the alleged woman that, that came saw the- this. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I just think that, you know, like you kind of said earlier, you know, you had said something about people just want attention. They just want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And that's why they just kind of come up with these, um, you know, witness statements that they thought mm-hmm. they saw or, you know, they made up when that didn't really happen. Right. But they just want to be involved. Yeah. They just want definitely to be one of those cases where they probably just want to be involved. Yeah. And even if it was you like you were saying, why wait seven years later, especially for the second? That's why. why wait seven years later to say what you saw. That's There's a pretty no valuable, like, if I, honestly, if I was in a parking lot and I seen a man shoving girls um, into a car and then, you know, I approached him like, hey, what's going on? And he told me to stay out of it. I'm like, hold up, bruh. Uh, yeah, but, and also, like, I'm sure he watches the news, so I'm sure he heard about a, an abduction after that. Right. So did you not put three and three together? Or two, sorry, three and three. <laughs> two and two together. It's because there's three girls, guys. Three and three. <laughs> three and three. We're going to say three and three. <laughs> but you didn't put two and two together thinking, hmm, maybe that's the same situation that I was kind of witnessing when this happened. Exactly. And let me speak up. Like, why are you now speaking up eight years later? I just don't think that it's credible. Exactly. Now, these particular eyewitness stories were never confirmed. Um, especially with the lady um, that allegedly came into the store, talked to the store clerk and stated that she saw the girls being shoved into the car. They weren't even able to identify the woman that did that. So they just kind of was like, yeah, not credible enough. Right. Yeah. So after a few weeks of no look and find the girls, the family, um, they went as far as to hiring private investigators, even psychics girl. Really? Yeah, they actually hired some few psychics, which I really don't think... I wouldn't be against it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I would not be against it at all. Like, I don't know, in people, y'all may not be into that type of uh, thing, but I actually um, believe somewhat in the spiritual world as far as psychics and stuff. I've actually seen it firsthand that some of that is actually real. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt, right? Like, what are you going to lose by looking into that? Right. I mean, it could, it could, honestly, if you're working with the right people, even if you're working with the wrong people, it can go wrong because there are people out there, psychics, that only do it for the money. They're not genuine. And they're um, scamming you. But as far as, you know, I guess per se, like messing up the investigation, well, maybe it can mess up the investigation in some ways if you. No, because no. psychics have, like, it's, they don't have actual proof. Other than True. what yeah. their intuition is. And their intuition isn't considered as proof. True. So I don't think it would mess with the investigation per se. Yeah, so that's um, what I was going with. But it could, you know, mess with the family's, the family's mind. That's why, yeah, you're right. We liked it. You can tell that their family, you know, they're really wanting to know what mm-hmm. happened to them. True. Especially Julie and Renee. Definitely. Now, the psychic that they hired it was by the name of Jay Joseph. Now, Joseph offered um, them free services, so he basically um, got in touch with the family. He's like, hey, I'm a psychic, and I can provide you free services to basically help out with the investigation or to help you find the girls. Oh, so they were approached by Joseph. Yeah. So he did it pro bono. Well, can you do pro bono psychic services? <laughs> That's actually a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, let me go back. I really don't know if... He approached him, but from the sources that I read, they um, stated that the families hired him. So, so I don't he know if he was, just yeah. offered his services free of charge. Yeah. Rather than, okay, but we don't know if he was seeked out or not. Yeah, we don't know if they actually reached out to him personally. 
um, but we do know that they actually did hire him. Okay. Um, he did offer them free services, and um, he actually stated that he was visited by Rachel um, when he was doing his, you know, psychic stuff. He was visited by Rachel, and he was getting the strong sense that the trio had gone somewhere up north, like towards Oklahoma or the Illinois area, and they were being held against their will and possibly drug-related. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, they could have just been abducted and, like, been sent into human trafficking. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. And that is, guys, you guys would not believe this, but it is so prominent. Like, it, it happens all the time. It does. It does. And, yeah, he told them that. And not only did he say that, he was like, there was, like, three to five other visual, individuals, excuse me, that were involved. Wow. Or it may have been that's, that's a good theory because I never, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, he also shared some other um, ominous details. Um, they never really specified what those details were, but I, I'm guessing it was, you know, of course, private to the family. Um, but all in all, he concluded that the girls were, in fact, deceased. Okay, so their body, they were abducted, taken north, and their bodies are still up there. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, well, I don't know if he stated that the bias was up there, but I do know he stated that the girls may have been in the area of Oklahoma or Illinois. Um, they got into some trouble up there with some other people, possibly drug-related, um, and they were um, unfortunately killed. And then whatever happened to yeah. their bodies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a theory that I was really not thinking about, so mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. So the families also hired a private investigator, as I mentioned before, and the private investigator's name was actually uh, Joe Swam. Um, they hired this investigator due to their frustration with the investigators and the police because they really weren't coming up with any new leads or suspects. So I don't really blame them for hiring a private investigator. Yeah. I don't either. I would do the same thing. Yeah. So basically his job was to come in and try to get access to the case files and get in contact with news reports to you know, get the case publicized because you really never can have enough coverage i agree yeah so that was his job um now so i'm actually traveled to uh port lavalka uh i think i'm saying that right lavalka <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to say lavatica so bad <laughs> port lavalka um with a uh, a lot of volunteers they said it was like hundreds of volunteers that oh. follow him so they did a search um in port lavalka um, beneath local bridges uh, due to a tip that came in stating that the girls had been dumped in that particular area. I was so, going to ask why yeah. that area, but mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so of course I did not find anything, but I liked how the fact that they acted on that. Like, even even cops don't even do that. Yeah. Like, they'll get tips. We see it all the time. They'll get tips and they're like, okay, we'll look into it and they never do. Right. But this private investigator, he actually got um, together with other volunteers and they went to that um, city and they searched. That's good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the whole reason behind hiring a private investigator because they are supposed to go beyond what the police are doing. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really good. I'm really glad that they got to do a search party there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know they didn't find anything, but just the fact that they got together to do that was... Yeah. Um, that's good. That, that was definitely, definitely great. And this was also uh, uh, back in 1975 where all of this took place. Right. Um, so, in that same year, in August, uh, Swam discovered a 28-year-old man that was making obscene calls in that area. So, I think he was, like, prank calling people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know what exactly uh, what was said, but he was uh, making obscene calls in that area. Um, so, he apparently worked at a local store where Rachel had applied for a position prior to her disappearance. Um, and it was learned that once he lived in that same neighborhood as her. So, at that time... 
where she was um, trying to get on to that particular position or trying to apply for that position. He was actually living in the same neighborhood as her. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's how ironic is that? Right. Um, but nothing came from this lead, unfortunately. Um, but it was learned that he had been using this position. So this um, particular individual had been using this position at the store to collect information from young women. So it's less like he had another motive. Yeah. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So they said a total of six female applicants reported uh, receiving crude phone calls from him. So like I said, um, basically, it sounds like he had a another motive, but he used this particular situation to get what he wanted. Yeah, to get attention. Yeah. Um, so again, in the same year, 1975, there was a man claiming to be an acquaintance of Rachel. Um, and this is a totally different man, mind you. This is, uh, again, he came forward saying, stating that he was an acquaintance of Rachel. Um, so he said that he had seen three girls at a record store in the mall a few hours before they went missing. So this was actually in the mall that the girls disappeared that he said that he saw the girls in at the record store. Okay. Um, he said that he noticed another individual with the group and he and Mary had spoken briefly. So he was saying that he saw the three girls and there was another individual with the three girls. So I believe it was a male that he said that he saw. And he spoke with this male individually. Yeah, so he said that he spoke with um, the male and um, I believe it was Renee. Yeah, that he spoke to briefly. Not Renee, I'm sorry, Rachel. It was Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say that's odd because Renee's been kind of like the background. Or right. she, her name's been kind of in the background and Rachel's been the main character in the story. Um, but, okay, so did he... Did he? I'm assuming if he spoke to the male, he knew the male, or he was just kind of talking to him as a stranger, or maybe as a stranger. Um, because then he would be able to, if he knew him, he would be able to like tell the police this is his name, and the police would be able to speak with him exactly and say, "Hey, we were told that you were with these three girls. Exactly. Do you know them?" And then gather more info that way. Yeah, I don't think he knew him personally, but okay. of course, like I said, we knew that he knew Rachel. Um, this would be one of those cases where if there was security camera footage like they are, mm-hmm. you know, there are in the malls today. Right. That would have helped. Yeah, so definitely. Oh, much by far. Back then. By far. Um, but like, like you said earlier, I don't think there was any surveillance uh, footage in that time. Right. Um, 1974. I really I'm so big on surveillance know. footage, guys. Yeah, like, yeah I was going to say that every episode we had, you talk about surveillance footage. <laughs> I just want to know. It's a valid like, point to make. It's a valid point to bring up, like, in every <laughs> single case. Well, we and it, it doesn't help that, like, we're, like, talking about all these cases that are, like, before 1980. <laughs> and I'm, like, over here asking for surveillance footage like it was a thing back then. But, but sure, your mind is in the right place. And that's why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he spoke to uh, Rachel in this uh, unidentified male or individual, if you will. Um, yeah, but nothing came about that either. Not that I've seen. So it was a dead end. Yeah, it was definitely a dead end. Um, so a lot of things happen. Mind you, y'all, a lot of things happen in this particular year. You're going to see a lot of uh, information that I'm about to give you guys in regards to what exactly was found and what took place in the year of 1975. So after um, those witness statements and um, other people coming forward claiming that they seen the girls, they actually found women's clothes um, in the town of Justin, Texas. I have no idea what Justin, Texas is. I've heard of Justin, Texas, but I have no idea what to compare that city to to see how far away it would be. Yeah, let's look. Let's take a look. 
so Justin, Texas. And um, these particular um, clothes that were found were of uh, women's clothes. They did verify that. Okay. Um, so they, I guess they tried to match it up with one of the girls, but it was later determined that it was not related to the girls nor the case. So that was a dead end. So they did testing on it to determine, or they just kind of like ruled it out? Yeah, I think they did uh, some testing on it. Uh, maybe showed the family members like, hey, do okay. you recognize these clothings? Um, but it was nothing. It didn't uh, match. Um, so we did look at the maps. Justin, Texas is actually uh, 32 minutes from Fort Worth. So not far at all. It's like going from Dallas to where? <laughs> Dallas to, I guess, like, well, Dallas to McKinney. Yeah, like, like Dallas to McKinney. Yeah, it's maybe. like 22 miles um, approximately. So yeah, it's, it's not far. Yeah, it's not far at all. Um, so, yeah, that's where Justin, Texas was. But Okay, so now we got <laughs> we got Justin, Texas. We have we Weatherford, got Weatherford, Texas. Texas. <laughs> we got um, the other two cities that I'll never remember. Uh, I believe it was Eliasville. And then we got Throckmorton. Yeah, I will never remember those two cities. I'm not even going to try to remember that. <laughs> yeah, so those uh, four or five cities all are coming into play with this case, which I have never heard of these particular cities. Never. Have you? No. I know you say you heard of Justin. And, and Weatherford. Weatherford. Yeah, I've I haven't actually, even heard of Weatherford. <laughs> I've actually been to Weatherford. And Weatherford, it is a small city, um, or town rather, mm-hmm. but... Um, it's actually a commercial city. I, I, at least okay. that's what I think of it as because um, I had a friend that lived in Rutherford and um, that whole street that she lived on, yeah. she lived on the main street and that whole street that she lived on was all like commercial businesses. Really? Yeah. It sounds so. like a, maybe like a, a commercial type of town. I can see that. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to 1976. So this is where they found three skeletal remains in the uh, field of Brazoria County, Texas. I definitely know where Brazoria County is. I don't. I've never even <laughs> heard of that. So where is that at? <laughs> Brazoria County is, uh, let's pull up the maps here. Um, I actually know of this area because I when I used to work at the um, the courthouse, we used to address things to Brazoria County. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so Brazoria is basically... Like what cities does it? Um, it's like more in the like the Houston Woodlands area. Oh, Sugar so Land it's area. further. Yeah, away from Fort Worth for yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's like we keep going back. Like they keep going back yeah. and back. They're finding things way. way but from like Fort Worth, Weatherford area, and I'm not sure again where Justin is exactly. But like I knowing where Weatherford is and knowing where like Houston is, those are two different directions for yeah, sure. Yeah, they are. And honestly, if you think about it. It kind of ties back to what they were seeing earlier, how the, the note was found, and the girl said that she was, uh, they were going to Houston. Oh, that yeah. is true. Okay, so these three skeletal remains, did they ever do testing to figure out who the remains belonged to? So, um, I believe they did um, do testing on these particular remains. They ran um, x-rays and uh, dental records on these remains, uh, but they turned out to be uh, a male by the ages between 15 and 17 and two other females who were not uh, either of the girls. Okay, so these are just three skeletal remains of three different women. Yeah, okay. it was it was actually one male and two women. Okay, okay, so they weren't even the three girls. No. Okay. No. And the age range obviously doesn't match up for the women either, so. Yeah, it was. they say it was uh, between 15 and 17 years. Oh, so it could, one of them yeah. could possibly be Rachel. Yeah, but I don't think they... Um, 
said anything like i'm sure they identified him by now if they was um that's actually another thing we could probably look into that to see if yeah was. because it could those two women could be rachel and renee because yeah. it kind of suits or you know fits the age right. description could be and then because julie was so young they could have you know done something else with her right so definitely. Uh, but yeah those particular remains were identified not to be any of the girls unfortunately um so Investigators interview uh, another potential witness or a uh, person of interest, if you will. This is a night watchman who was working at the Alcon uh, Laboratories. So this is just down the street from the seminary uh, shopping center on the night of uh, the disappearances. So they actually interviewed this man literally the same night that um, the girls disappeared. So I guess that kind of goes back to what were we seeing earlier how we were trying to figure out if the police got involved the day or the day after or the day after that yeah right so i'm guessing this is kind of confirmation that the officers did get involved the same day the same day because they interviewed this particular individual um and he reported seeing a car containing three women and two men pulling into a building's driveway that night that's what he stated Hmm. yeah um but again y'all this is a dead end yeah investigators checked out this lead and it didn't um, go anywhere it didn't go anywhere at all um not only did they interview this night watchman they interviewed a ticket agent at the local uh the local bus depot after um he reported three girls had asked about trips to houston and other destinations the morning after the three girls had disappeared oh that's just suiting the whole you know running away theory a little bit more right these these reports and witness statements are all over the place. Yeah, so but again, you know, I really don't think that any of these are credible because yeah. it just, you know, they read something and then, and I'm sure whoever kind of said that about mm-hmm. the bus station, I'm sure that that must have came out a while after. Right. And this is, guys, this is the reason why police doesn't, or police don't release evidence or information that they have and they keep exactly. it a secret mm-hmm. because... People jump on that and they start, you know, making false witness statements. Right. And it doesn't help the investigation at all. Not so at all. they don't even tell the family, um, you know, what the status is of the case and what evidence they have and what they don't have. And and I'm sure the family thinks that the police aren't doing anything to help them in any kind of way where, you know, they probably are and have all this information, but they can't share it due to this reason. Um, and that's another reason why families do hire private investigators is yeah. because they think that the police aren't working hard enough. Um, because they don't know any information regarding the case. Right. Yeah, you said it, Shivani. And honestly, with all of these uh, dead ends, the case went cold. It went cold, and it's still a cold case to this day. Um, They actually closed the case. Uh, I'm not sure when they closed the case exactly, but I know that the case was reopened back um, in January of 2001, and it's still open now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so throughout the course of the searches, you know, getting witness statements, rep- reports, the families have been subjected to prank phone calls, girl, um, and false statements, and just people that kept calling them randomly and giving them false information to be uh, stating that they were seeing the girls in particular places. Like, honestly, this case was just so confusing and messed up. <laughs> Like, this case is so frustrating. Yeah, I, I I think so, too. Because, you know, there's a difference between a crime of, you know, opportunity and 
This crime does not seem to be a crime of opportunity. I think that this was definitely premeditated. You think so? Yeah, and I do think that it's, you know, involving Rachel. And, you know, I, I don't think that this had anything to do with Julie or Renee, but they just happened to be, like you said, at the wrong, uh, at the wrong time. Wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that this was just a random person who just noticed them and did something at that time. I think it was something that was planned and... Mm-hmm done to them on purpose yeah so fast forwarding to 1999 rachel's brother rusty he was still active girl of course you know i'm gonna be active for my family my sister my brother whoever i'm gonna continue all the way and that's exactly what rusty did he continued all the way and he actually hired another private investigator really yeah um and the reason why he i believe uh and this is just my speculation that he hired another private investigator is because this is a it was said that the joe swan the original private investigator he committed suicide really he's deceased and this was after he this is actually confirmed he's deceased he committed suicide allegedly committed suicide but we know he is deceased but this was after the investigation yeah. like after he did whatever he needed to do with his um, investigation mm-hmm. regarding this case specifically yeah do you know how long after he committed um, suicide? no i don't know but i did read that he actually is no longer alive and it was speculated that he may have committed suicide mm. but for what reason yeah if you did commit suicide, well that's what i was asking because if it was like right after this case that's odd but if it like if if some time had gone by then it's like okay anything could have been happening in his personal personal life life or whatever Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna get back to you on that I'm telling you guys (laughs) we're gonna have to do a part two on this with uh, Mm -hmm. more details of the things that we were not able to discuss um, in this episode and there's a lot of things to discuss in this case a lot of guys people have podcasts over this specific case um, and that's all they talk about is just this specific case Mm -hmm. and we're only doing this in one episode so there's a lot to be right, you know, and I'm giving into. y'all a lot of information. I'm um, really, you know, giving y'all a lot of information because a lot of these podcasts and other um, um, sites and sources they don't have nearly as much as the information that I'm providing to y'all. So, right, um, definitely feel special. <laughs> feel special. So after um, Rusty Rachel's brother um, contacted a new investigator by the name of Dan James to help you know further with the investigation. Um, they were looking into several sightings of Rachel because it was initially um, brought to them that people were seeing sightings of Rachel like everywhere that like back, back to what the prank calls and stuff was they mm-hmm. were getting prank calls and you know letters and stuff in the mail that they were saying that they were seeing Rachel in different places so that's why Rusty went ahead and got a new a private investigator to kind of confirm that, that she's true yeah that yeah. if she's alive or not right interesting yeah they were saying that they were seeing rachel and also renee but nothing about julie which is odd because a lot of the people were coming and saying that they were seeing rachel and renee in stores like at gas stations and stuff like that but they never mentioned julie i wonder if it's because she was the youngest so you know people didn't really like you know see her around or supposedly see her around and they were able to see rachel and renee around a lot more thought that they saw them around a lot more Mm -hmm. because um, they were able to match other people's faces that kind of looked similar to those two girls and thought that those two girls were right. other strangers that weren't really them. Absolutely. And um, all in all, Rusty and James, the private investigator, they believe that Renee and Julie and also Rachel um, may be deceased, like we were saying, of course. But honestly, they were. I think they're kind of stuck on Rachel. I think really think that they are stating that it's likely that Rachel may be still alive really yeah wow i don't know i don't think that i mean at this point with it being 2022 i don't think that either of them are alive yeah. um but i don't really know if 
all three of them really, you know, were killed the night of their disappearance. Yeah. Um, my two theories are obviously the one, you know, with Rachel. I do think that something was going around mm-hmm. or going on with um, that situation with Rachel's life, um, right. whether it's, you know, her, her husband mm-hmm. slash sister or whatever the case is. It's something is definitely odd over there. Exactly. Um, and my second theory is the human trafficking. Um, I agree. That's. That's another thing because it's three girls. They're all three young. Yeah. Three of different or three girls of different ages. Yeah. So that's also a theory that I, um, I definitely can entertain. I, I, I can agree with that. Um, and also the reason why they feel like uh, that it's likely that Rachel is still alive is because um, James and Rusty actually, I believe that they have some information that they won't share with anybody, and rightfully so. Um, but they feel like that Rachel uh, is being held against her will and being kept away from her family. But again, they won't um, come out with this evidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I don't blame them. I don't either, yeah. especially after all the all the allegations that you know other people have made about seeing them and what they thought happened to them. I mean, right. you know, it was basically like a goose chase. It so was. at this point, definitely I definitely agree with that decision to do that. Um, do you know if Rusty's still alive today? I believe Shane? he is. I believe Rusty's okay. still alive. Um, and he also, uh, I believe there's uh, there's still a reward um, out. Um, originally in 1999, December 1999, he actually offered um, $25,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest or the conviction of those who were responsible for the girl's disappearance. Mm-hmm. It was actually him and James, the private investigator, that came up with this award. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it's still active. I'm sure that it probably has went up since 1999. Yeah, because um, usually, yeah, usually they do. Um, yeah, but especially because of how much time has passed. Right. What are the chances that someone has any information? You know, like... Right. We're at a whole different generation now. Exactly. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just don't. I, again, I could be wrong, and I would love to be proved wrong because I would love to know what happened to these girls. Absolutely. But I just don't think that anyone would have any information anymore. Yeah. Um, but if you or your grandma or your great grandma have any information on this case, right? Because like, this case is really old. Like, please give Fort Worth Police Department a call. I think my mom was a kid when this happened. Yeah. Right. That's why I said if your grandma or your great grandma has any information please reach out um i say grandma but your great grandpa or your mm-hmm. you know grandpa um anyone of that age yeah, might have any age range, uh, yeah sure. age range might have any information but yeah so this is where we are now uh, with the fort worth missing trio this case is still unsolved and it's very very frustrating it is yeah it's crazy right it is such a crazy case like i said it looks like a plot from a lifetime movie it does it definitely does and Honestly, given my perspective, um, I really do feel like that some of the answers, if not all the answers, some of um, of them at least lies within that Deborah situation. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah Tommy, Tommy, Rachel, like trio situation. Yeah, and I don't want to point any fingers, but I just feel like that the circumstances behind it is very odd. Yes, so I, I really agree. feel like um, there is a lot more information in regards to that situation um, that needs to be further looked into. I agree. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I've basically been stating my opinion throughout this entire case. Um, but yeah, I also agree that something's definitely odd there. Um, and I also kind of like the theory of the human traf- 
trafficking. Yeah. Um, that was that's a good theory too, because that's definitely something that's likely to happen. Now right. I'm not sure if it's likely to happen at that time, but human trafficking has been a thing for so long yeah, now that forever. it definitely could be a possibility. Definitely. I, I won't um I won't debunk that. I really think that there is that's also a possibility that the girls could have been human trafficked for sure. Right. Yeah. But I also uh do not think that the girls are alive, unfortunately. I don't think that they're alive. Yeah, especially now after yeah. forty four years, probably yeah. not. Yeah. Well, guys, let us know what you think. Um, like we say all the time, leave us comments um, on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Um, you can also message Shaylin and I personally. You can um, start a discussion on our uh, Facebook page. Whatever it is to kind of keep you guys talking to us on what you think and your opinions, um, definitely do that. Yeah. Um, now, there are several different ways you can listen to us. You can listen to us on um, on YouTube. And Spotify. YouTube and Spotify both have follow buttons at the top left corner mm-hmm. right below our default photo. And you can just click on that bell icon next to that follow button to turn on notifications. Um, and then, of course, with Apple Podcasts, you can just click on that top right plus sign symbol to start following us and also getting an immediate notification to our episode releases. You guys can also keep supporting us by telling your friends and sharing on all of your social medias. And please, please, please subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you are listening to us on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. This will qualify you for a shout-out, so please go ahead and do this right now. Uh, And when you subscribe and follow, you will also get an immediate notification to our latest episode release, like I said earlier. So do that now. Also, a very exciting um, update, I guess. We are now on Stitcher, officially. (laughs) Um, So you can find us on Stitcher and you can follow us by pressing that follow button right on the right side of our default photo. So go ahead and go ahead and subscribe and follow us on Stitcher. Yeah, leave us reviews, leave us um, comments. We definitely would like to get some discussions going, especially on our Facebook page about these cases. So definitely do that. Um, Also, um, stay tuned for our next episodes. We're going to be releasing weekly episodes. That's our goal. And again, we love y'all support. We love y'all tuning in every week. And we thank y'all for everything that you do and continuously support us. And again, we will always show you guys love. Thank you so much. See you next week. See ya. Goodbye. Bye.